On the Empire Podcast this week, we squee about Avengers Endgame and talk to its directors, Joe and Anthony Russo, but there will be no spoilers, I promise. All this plus the usual movie news and nonsense on the movie podcast that is actually totally calm and totally cool as we approach this release. Our calm is exceeded only by our cool, which is total. Hello, Pod. I'm Helen O'Hara and welcome to the Empire Podcast. I'm afraid it's still me because we were slightly worried that Chris would still be on his travels right now. But in fact, he has been expelled from the City of Angels and has has rejoined us here Dread in it. old London town. Run from it. <laughs> Chris Hewitt arrives all the same. Yeah. Hello. How was it? Did you have a good time? It was great. I was out there for many, many secret things mm, that will secret. become apparent as the, uh, the the weeks go on. Pick up the new issue of Empire. Uh, no, the next issue of Empire on sale May 16th to find out most of what I was doing there. And I was also doing some other special other things, podcast-related things. Can you tell us about anything that you did there that might have been cool? I went to the Endgame premiere. Oh, my God! I was trying to think. I saw... Los Angeles Football Club. That no, was fun. That's not cool. It was fun. It was really, no. really good. Um, you know, went to the Grove, saw a dog. That was nice. Went to the Brea Tar Pits. Oh yeah, they're fun. Yeah, my my wife came over for a few days as well. We we had to take a little break as well. That was nice. And then uh, yeah, went to the Avengers Endgame premiere, world premiere on Monday Ooh. night at the uh, convention center. I feel we should introduce James first. Well, I was gonna, we I was gonna say, yeah, I mean, we're also. Bother, well, really? I mean, so James is also here, and that's nice, I guess. James, Thanks, hi. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say that James this week was so excited to also see Avengers Endgame that he actually walked out of an interview in order to join the queue. <laughs> that's true. My professionalism knows no bounds. I went in. This was an interview was we were doing. This was an interview that we were doing for the other podcast. Me and Boyd went in to interview. A very, very important TV showrunner. And I sat up with Boyd because he can't work the equipment. And I basically <laughs> stood up and I said, not being funny, but I've got to go. I've got to get in the queue for Avengers Endgame. And there was just silence. And they thought I was joking. I was like, no, no, I'm serious. But as it happened, the person we were interviewing was also going to the screening. So he turned up and he kind of jacused me across the... across the. the, ah, the so it was Jack Hughes you were It was. Jack Hughes was his name. And he also actually got good seats. He <laughs> did have good seats, even though he turned up three hours after I did. But can I just say, before we get into it, and I know we have a question. Mm, we do, we do. about the usual stuff. And I'm not really au fait with what's happening in, in the world of movie news this week because I've been so goddamn busy. Uh, but... If we're splitting hairs, I was the first person in the office and one of the first people in the world to see Avengers Endgame because oh I went unbearable. to the premiere on Monday night. But had I not been in LA, I would have been at the screening that you yeah. guys went to on Tuesday. So, how? Can you please explain to me how the hell Ali Plum, formerly of this parish, of course, mm. dear, dear friend of ours, yes. but nevertheless now an enemy, Absolutely. and to be crushed, crushed. Like the ant he is... Mm-hmm. Mm was the first in the queue. What the fuck I'll tell fuck you happened? why. It's because me and my sister went for lunch first. <laughs> you don't lunch when we, there's Avengers we on the table. You know why? You know why we lunched? Because we wanted to make sure we weren't hungry, we weren't in need, we were able to focus entirely to the exclusion of all else it, on the film. In Helen's defence, she was there four hours before the film started. Three hours before the film started. Was it started. not three? What yeah, time did you get okay, there? a bit more. Uh, like 3.15 and Ali was there at three. Unacceptable. I would have been there at 2.59. <laughs> I'm so sorry you weren't, Chris, for so many reasons. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to have a question. We are. And at Liam the Last, I'm not going to read out what his username is because it's literally a spoiler for Endgame. What? Um, I'm not kidding. Yeah. Wow. Like, at Liam the Last isn't, but the name he currently goes by oh, on Twitter. That's not cool. 
And it's, it's fine. Like it, you wouldn't necessarily know it was a spoiler. I knew it was a spoiler. So I'm, I'm being, I'm really treading the line here. Yeah. Isn't saying that we know it's a spoiler now essentially alerting people to a spoiler and possibly saying it's a spoiler makes it a spoiler, whereas but they only if they, it, was a spoiler oh, it wasn't a spoiler. So in fact, you, Helen, not he, have spoiled it. Only if they go and look him up directly. Yeah. And if you do that, then you're weird. Yeah. But so I, don't look up Liam the Last until you've seen yes. Endgame, is what and, I'm saying. And we're being very considerate of people who haven't seen Endgame, and so we will get into the question in a second, but I will say that I am accepting questions for the Endgame spoiler special, but do not send public no. spoilers openly to me or I will ignore them and you will get blocked because it's just it's not cool guys no America hasn't seen it yet the mostly the that is only. true and while we're on that subject shall we shall we tell people about the thing that we're doing yes we should tell people about the thing okay so a lot of people are asking what we're going to do in terms of our end game spoiler special and uh, what we're going to do is there's going to be a couple this may not surprise you it's a big film <laughs> there's a lot of movie to discuss and we're going to need a little bit of time to get into it. So, there's going to be an in-studio mm-hmm. epic spoiler special. Epic. With, you know, loads of people will be talking about the movie. And that's going to be out next week. Okay? And that's not going to have any talent from the film. That's just going to be us, Team Empire, talking about the film. Then, a couple of weeks ago, I asked a question on Twitter. Someone said to me they would like to see a live show. Mm-hmm. A live spoiler special. And we kicked it around, and I asked on Twitter, would people actually go to see a live spoiler special? And they said, yes, they would. So, we have teamed up once again with King's Place, the wonderful people at King's Place, and we're going to be performing (laughs) a (laughs) one-off live spoiler special. And when I say one-off, I mean one-off, because as things stand, this will not be released as an episode of the Empire Podcast. And I expect it will be very different from the in-studio one we're recording next week. It will be slightly shorter. Obviously, it will have a slightly different lineup as well. And obviously, it will be live. So the energy of the room will mean it's going to be more raucous and ruder as well. So it's what? a one-off one-off experience. And if you want to be there, you can get tickets there on sale right now. They went on sale this morning. And it takes place on Saturday May the 4th. That's right, Star Wars Day. We're going to be discussing Avengers Endgame on Star Wars Day. Get tickets now at www.3w's.kingsplace, another dot, co, then one more dot, then UK. That's two. Mm-hmm. The third spoiler thing we'll be doing for, for Avengers Endgame is I have done spoiler interviews with... The film's writers, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, and the film's directors, Joe Russo and Anthony Russo. I did them in L.A. on Tuesday, and they were fantastic. And they will be out, as you might expect, we're holding those for a little bit. They will be out sometime in May, mid-May, probably. So keep your ears peeled. They're going to be well worth the wait. That's what we're going to be doing. Yes. And now I can sleep. Thank goodness. No, you can't, because we had a question. Oh, question, Remember, yes. Remember, at Liam the Last What was asked, the question? If you could, buy, for example, using the combined power of six Infinity Stones, bring any film or films back from the void of production hell or cancellation, what would they be? Oh, my God, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all sorts of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that, that were never made that I, I'm sure Jimbo and I so would have loved to Crusade. see. The Crusade. I'm not, I'm not about that one. Really? I, if I'm honest with you. I, I, it always sounds like it would have been terrible to me. <laughs> uh, the two kind of lost Arnie movies I'd love to have seen were the uh, With Wings as Eagles. 
which is a World War Two movie. I think about a plot to kill Hitler, a fictional plot to kill Hitler that Arnie would have been at the uh, the center of as a German officer who turns against Hitler. The second one I've completely forgotten. What was the? Uh, oh God, there's oh, Arnold. Oh yes, uh, Ridley Scott's I Am Legend. That would have been. Really, really kick-ass, and mm. much, much better than the Francis Lawrence Will Smith one. I would have. Yeah, guessed. that wasn't that wasn't a, a it wasn't mm. it wasn't a great adaptation of that book, was it? Really, I would have liked to have seen Terry Gilliam's Good Omens back in the day. I think that would have been really interesting to see on the big screen. Obviously, I'm I'm looking forward to the TV show, mm-hmm. but the thought of Robin Williams as a Zerophil is pretty awesome. Oh, is that um, who they yeah, potentially was, had? No, they had him lined up. They had him oh, really? signed on. The problem was that they went to Hollywood with him and Johnny Depp signed on right after 9-11 and got nothing because apparently studios were not into the end of the world right then. So it was a perfect storm of bad timing. Oh dear. That's not yeah. Good. I'll throw another one in. Do it. George Miller's Justice League. That's interesting. Which really got close to the wire. Yeah, very close. They were yeah. building sets. They, yeah. had, they had people cast. They had really good people cast. And um, that would have been interesting. I've never read the script for that one, but that, that sounds mm. like it would have been one that would, would, have, been, would have been pretty damn good. And you know, if we're if we're going to stay on the sort of comic book tip, then mm-hmm. obviously the takeover of Fox by Disney has kiboshed, at least as far as we know, the likes of X Force and Deadpool three. For the time being, I'm sure there will be a Deadpool and, three. And let's mm-hmm. be honest, the New Mutants, the New so, Mutants, yeah. which is never coming out. Never uh, out. Neil Blomkamp's Alien film. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'd like to have seen that a lot. But obviously the real answer to this question is uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky's Dune, which I think we can all agree oh, would no. have been lovely. Oh to no. See. Oh. No, absolutely not. But, but I mean, of course, we don't need it because Denis Villeneuve will. will oh, is he? Uh, yeah. yeah apparently, apparently, he's making an adaptation of Frank Herbert's Dune. Chris, don't know if you've, you've heard about this. Oh yes, yeah, so I did. I, the other night, when I was at the uh, world premiere of Avengers Endgame, I was sat just across from my good pal Lawrence Fish Fishburne, a star of Event Horizon and uh, The Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> I picked that one. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's the very top of his CV <laughs> right there. The one. Yeah, that's very peaked. Star of a Nightmare on Elm Street Three, Dream Warriors, and The Matrix Revolutions. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne. I love the idea that you just skip the best one in the trilogy. Um, he plays I, an orderly, doesn't he? I'd completely forgotten he was in he Dream does. Warriors. Yeah, that's when he was credited as Larry Fishburne. Yeah, that's right, as he was in Boys in the Hood and uh, Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, all. Yeah, and then he changed his name. One of the few times that a Hollywood star has changed her name and it's stuck. It's actually stuck. Well, who's going to argue with him? No Tom, one. Is Thomas no Jane one. now? He's Tom Jane now, isn't he? No, he's just he's still Thomas Jane, but mm. professionally he's Thomas Jane. And but when you meet him, it's it's Tom or basically whatever yeah. he wants to be called because he's Tom Jane. It's, it's still Ed Norton, but you know, though, like isn't that, it? he's never been able to get rid of that. Yeah, precisely. But that's more of a nickname. But he's never. But professionally, mm. Charlie Sheen changed his name for a while to Charles Sheen, and no one took him seriously, mm. so it went back to Charlie. Literally, and metaphorically. <laughs> I was going to say that's, that's that's as your lawyer, Chris. Um, I think I'm on fairly safe ground there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah. <laughs> Tiger blood. What was the question? That was the question. That was the question. I think yeah. we've answered the I think question. We've done it. No, David Dasmalkin was also at the premiere the other night. Oh, uh, he plays amazing. Kurt in the yeah. Ant Man films, and so I was sitting near Fish and David Dasmalkin, who, of course, is in. Denny Villeneuve's June. He is. So it all comes full circle. But the best thing that happened at the premiere, apart from the fact that the film happened and the film was amazing and it was great. Spoiler. uh, Hung out with Jamie McKelvey and Kelly Sue DeConnick and Matt Fraction and it was lovely and lovely, lovely people. So thank you for uh, making that happen, universe. But before the film, you know that you you go to a premiere and you sit down and they tell you the the time that the film is going to start and then they... Ignore it. Add an hour on. Because all the stars are arriving and they... 
they're being interviewed in a red carpet and then they beam that into the cinema to entertain you as you're waiting for the film to start. So Vin Diesel was being interviewed mm-hmm. and I don't know if you saw he turned up in that sort of Groot-esque yeah, jacket. It's like if, if a leather jacket was made of tree, Yes, it would look exactly like that. Absolutely. So he was being interviewed on the screen and uh, I was kind of at the back because, you know, I'm a lowly scum. Although, you know, quite close to Fish and David Dasmalkian, okay. so uh, we got a good view anyway. But we were watching Finn Diesel on the big screen and then there was a commotion in the audience down below and we looked down and it was this bald fella who was taking his seat, large bald fella taking his seat and he was filming everybody on his camera doing a 360 and waving at people and people were going nuts. And it was Finn Diesel. Oh my goodness, time delay. I know, or time no. travel. Or time travel. And but it was probably time to it was kind of cool because we had double diesel. Unless, of course, that was his stunt double, Finn Petrol. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. No, Finn Unleaded. No, no. no. Double right. Diesel also is the name of a porn film I once saw. No, okay, that, let's just move on. I think that is that question thoroughly answered and a huge digression into Chris's fabulous recent adventures as well. So, um, did we answer the question? There were definitely some answers early on. <laughs> no, there was the attempt to answer the question. Am I still week? here? I don't know what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> well, you know, it's probably just as well. So if you would like to have your question read out in the Empire Podcast and ignored in favour of some celebrity anecdotes, you can do so via Twitter where we are at Empire Magazine, hashtag Empire Podcast. On Facebook, we're also Empire Magazine. And on email, we are podcast at empireonline.com. Now, just to remind you, we mentioned it last week, but for the month of May, we are celebrating our 30th birthday with screenings in association with Picture House. And we have five screenings of some sci-fi classics. Amazing films. No, no, Chris, no. Battle Beyond the Stars. No, you weren't here last week, were you? You've missed out on a couple of things, I think. Obviously, I listened to the show. Of course you do. Of course you do. Well, these are on uh, sale. It's a special price. £8 for general you know, viewers, £5 for Empire subscribers. Get them now at empireonline.com slash picturehouse. We have Super 8 on the 4th of May. 9th of May, James Cameron's Aliens. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, 13th of May, First Man from Damien Chazelle. Uh, 20th will be Denis Villeneuve's. We just mentioned him. June. Blade Runner, oh. 2049. Not quite okay. yet. It's just a little tiny bit of work left to do on that. And May 30th, Alfonso Cuadron's Gravity. What a way to finish. Right, so uh, after six weeks or so of preamble, shall we talk about some movie news? There was a thing today. There was. There, a, was. there was a live Bond cast where they revealed the title of the new film. Did, Did they? they? No. <laughs> they revealed, let's be honest, nothing. Uh, they revealed the fact that people would be in the film, most of which we kind of knew already. Uh, they confirmed that Lashana Lynch from Captain Marvel is in it, Billy Magnuson, Anna de Armas is in it, and Rami Malek will, of course, be the villain in this film. Uh, what they didn't tell us was anything you know, new or interesting. However, the Bond cast was followed by a press release, mm-hmm. which they apparently saved the actual news for, which was interesting. <laughs> so the press release had a synopsis. Ooh. And the synopsis reads, Bond Ooh. has left active oh. service no. and is enjoying a tranquil life in Jamaica. All right. I took my Bond girl to... No. Jamaica. That's it. She went of her own accord. There you go. There you go. Um, his peace is short-lived when his old friend Felix Leiter from the CIA turns up asking for help. How are they spelling peace? <laughs> the mission to rescue a kidnapped scientist turns out to be far more treacherous than expected. What? Leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. It's Thanos. I'm sorry. Is that... It's the Infinity Gauntlet. I'm sorry. Like, that's 100% every Bond film yeah. ever. Oh, no, there's a kidnapped except, scientist. Except, and this is my, this is my issue. Also, top secret. Also top secret. <laughs> 
The first line. Oh my God, yes. I hope it's Hilary Flamond. That'd be amazing. The first line of yes. this synopsis. Bond has left active service. Yes. So Bond is retired. Yes. Now, my problems with this are so many. So, Casino Royale can be seen in a couple of different ways. It can be seen as kind of, because it's when Bond gets his licence to kill, it can mm-hmm. be seen as kind of... And you know he's going straight for your heart. Ti- Indeed, thank you. <laughs> it can be seen as a time-bending look at early Bond, you know, because the early years of Bond, which some people saw it as, in which case he can't retire because he's got other stuff to do. Or it can be seen as a lot of people talked about, you know, James Bond is not his real name, it's like a more of a title, it's oh, non-horrific. No, bollocks, bollocks but, that, but that's the thing no. that people have said in the past, that, that maybe, you know, no. he's a different James Bond no. type thing. But if that is the case and he's retired, then he's no longer James Bond. And, you know, it's Idris Elba. So, what's going on? Why is he retired? Why are we still hanging out with Bond when he's retired? So you're saying, like, you're complaining that he only had, like, a 10-year career as Bond. But then maybe maybe not on active service just means he's on holiday. But that is true. If you look at Casino Royale, where, you know, Daniel Craig was, what, in his late 30s? But Mm. even so, he was meant to be young and just getting his double O yep. and he was cool and going off kind of his first missions and then by Spectre which is just a few years later he's meant to be old and wearied and his knees mm. a bit gammy and you know his <laughs> teeth hey, nothing wrong out. with a gammy knee no nothing wrong at all but uh, it happens to the best of us it's going to be fine that's good Helen's double O will be coming once <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't know whether that tracks necessarily do, do double O agents retire in their 40s if so, it's a pretty cushy job. I know yeah. you could get killed at any second. Yeah, but the but, rest of it, you know, mm, so a yeah. retirement package, the pay must be great, judging by his everything. His flat, his lovely flat. Yeah. Uh, his now living suits. in Jamaica. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so anyway, so presumably he's off at the beginning of this movie with, um, I'm guessing, the soon-to-be-deaded Madeleine <laughs> Swan, <laughs> Leia Seydoux, returning from the, the last movie. It seems no, likely. I'm, I'm sure she'll be fine and play a key role in the plot. Maybe she's going to be super important and genuinely have things that are useful to do. Yes. I'm cautiously optimistic about this film. Mm. I don't know why they didn't release the title. It seems like an awful lot of effort to go to to basically announce nothing. It does a bit, yeah. It's a bit of a shame. Uh, but still, Carrie Fukunaga directing. Yep. Uh, we had now have confirmation that Phoebe Waller-Bridge has you know, done a pass on the script mm-hmm. and presumably just on dialogue rather than action scenes. I don't know. Maybe why she's not? brilliant at Killing action Eve. scenes. Killing Eve. That's true. Mm, you All know. Right. She's got, she's got it going on. So presumably Bond will look at the camera every five seconds, which I'm totally happy with. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be cool. I'd be happy with Flea Bond. Um, Maybe he wears a beautiful pink dress in a Parisian <laughs> apartment. <laughs> so, yeah, the writing team is Purvis and Wade, uh, old Bond hands, and Scott said Burns uh, has been brought on to polish the script, and then Phoebe Waller-Bridge was brought on to polish the polish. And uh, I imagine Purvis Wade will still be knocking around, maybe writers on set. This definitely seems like the last Daniel Craig movie. Mm. Yeah, like I say, cautiously optimistic. We shall see. We shall see what happens with this one. Absolutely. Um, some exciting trailers this week. We had a new one Ooh. for Men in Black and for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I thought it looked okay. I I was more taken by it on the big, big, big screen the other night than I have been by any of the previous ones. I saw it on my tiny, tiny, tiny phone. Mm. So I think it will work on the big screen just for sheer spectacle. Yes. But I still worry about the issue that the last film had, which was that the monsters were great and the story and the, and the human characters were instantly forgettable. Yeah, there were human characters. I think so. I'm not sure there were. There was a moth, I remember that, but it wasn't Mothra. It wasn't Mothra. Oh, thanks. Just a moth. Just a moth. Yeah. A man in black? How was a man in black? 
Men in Black is uh, funny, very much emphasising the comedy, very much sort of showcasing the fact that we have Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth being delightful together. Mm-hmm. Um, there seem to be aliens that can masquerade as anybody, including members of the MIB. So there's <gasps> Scrolls. Thing. Mm. Yeah, there is kind of a scroll thing going on there, maybe more than there was even in Captain Marvel, weirdly. Um, but it just looks like they're quite fun together. It's really just a trailer of funny bits I have almost no idea what the plot is based on this I haven't seen it or maybe I did see it and I was neuralised it's hard to say it's possible yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter what the plot is in a black film does it not massively no but we, you know we got to see um, Emma Thompson obviously back and then mm. uh, Liam Neeson in his role as it looked like head of MIB London really hmm. there you go yeah so um, so yeah shaping up for an interesting summer alright good uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is slightly less far from home Hurrah! Because the release date has been pulled forward three days. Three days? No longer the 5th of July, but the 2nd of July. So it's wow. Spider-Man not quite so far from home. And is that worldwide, or do we get it ahead of the States? Uh, well, Chris, I'm glad you asked. Do you remember when we used because... to get Marvel movies like a week ahead? Oh, it was glorious. It was glorious. That is the UK day. I don't know what's happening in America. I mean, and that statement works on many levels. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I have no idea when, where, how far from home Spider-Man is stateside. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, also, uh, Letitia Wright has signed up for Death on the Nile. That's she not now? to say that she's, you know, going to literally go die on a holiday. That would in be Egypt. terrible. You that wouldn't, would be you awful. wouldn't tick that box, would no. you? On Expedia. Not that Expedia offers it. Other holiday providers are available. Okay. Thanks. No, she signed up to Kenneth Branagh's film, which of course is the sequel to Murder on the Orient Express. So I think never go on holiday with Kenneth Branagh is probably the uh, <laughs> the message here. Apologies to Mrs. Branagh and the yeah. kids, but it's just not a wise idea. Steven Spielberg was defeated by Netflix. Did you hear this? I mean, let's not like take his name in vain here, but yes, okay. Uh, yes, Netflix won their battle to have their films eligible for the Academy Awards. The Academy came back having kind of deliberated and said, no, 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 Netflix movies will still be eligible because a film must have a minimum seven-day theatrical run in a Los Angeles County commercial theatre with at least three screenings per day for paid admission. And as long as they adhere to that, then anything Netflixy is eligible. So Martin Scorsese will be quite pleased that The Irishman is still in the running. If it is in the running, we don't even know yet. But yes. Well, it's in the running to be in the running. Sure, that's true. <laughs> well, no, I mean, th- I think it was a tough question. I was a bit torn on this. I think that the... Like Mount Brulia. <laughs> I was going to say much- that. I oh, often hot get, 90s references. Yeah, I often get compared to her so often. No, I don't. The problem was that like, if smaller films wouldn't necessarily be able to f- fund a much bigger release than mm. that. And so if you raise the bar for Netflix films, the risk is that you actually lock out a yeah. lot of smaller films that really need the Oscar push, actually, much more than many of the studio ones. Yeah, they'd essentially have had to have taken that criteria and then just added, except Netflix, in, yeah, the, in the exactly. last sentence, which would have been harsh. Which would have been, yeah. And, and I think at that point it looks seriously unfair. So mm. it's, um, you know, probably a right decision in that respect. But it does I mean there is a bit of a threat here to the film going experience and I do have sympathy with you know the sort of refuseniks in that respect because if everything is available pretty much at the same time or very 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 soon after on Netflix then you do risk kind of watering down what it means to be in the cinema so I don't know maybe that's elitist but, but I suppose the question is is that are we in in the Academy Awards are we celebrating filmmaking or are we celebrating st- Cinema, cinema experiences. Yeah. And that's a question um, which they've obviously chosen to answer with filmmaking. Yeah, although the fact that it does need to be theatrically exhibited means there's, there's you know, it's not quite so cut and dried. But yeah, uh, yeah it's interesting because as we move forward into the future, I do think it's uh, it's harder and harder to 
to differentiate between these things, isn't it? There's, there's a lot of lot of cross pollination. There is indeed. Yes. I've got something. Just blow your socks off. We're talking about trailers, and the trailer launched this week, and I have seen it for Gemini Man. Hmm. Now, Gemini Man is the new Ang Lee film, and that alone should be enough to make you want to go see it. It does. But it also is a an action thriller produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Hmm. Which is interesting. Well, that's, I mean, that's a name that I always associate with Ang Lee. I mean, I think we've all, all been hoping that those two would work together. I, uh, yeah, it's a shame they have worked together before, mm. quite frankly. You know, the ice storm wasn't action-oriented enough for my liking. <laughs> I mean, there was a literal ice storm in it. But it could have been bigger, that's is what true. I'm saying. And they could I mean, have had if, Cameron if, Poe. Yeah, if Bruckheimer had been involved, that ice storm would have been a CG <laughs> yeah. extravaganza. It would have been the ice whirlwind. I mean, honestly, come on, come on. And don't get me started on the lack of carriage chases in Sense and Sensibility, because, yeah, I mean, furious. seriously, yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> I'm disgusted. Uh, anyway, so, yes, Ang Lee is directing Gemini Man, and that stars Will Smith and Will Smith. Whoa. And this is a script that's been knocking around Hollywood for yonks. If you go back and you dig up pretty much any Empire magazine from around the early 90s, you will probably see a news story about how Harrison Ford or Mel Gibson or <laughs> Denzel Washington or someone else who was an A-lister at the time has signed on to star in Gemini Man, which at the time was written by Jonathan Hensley, uh, who was the writer of Die Hard with a Vengeance. Isn't Arnie attached to this as well at one point? I don't point. think Arnie was ever attached I just, to this I just, one. I just assume Arnie's attached to everything. Limpid-like. As he should and be. So this is about, uh, back, in the, back when it was first conceived, it was one of those things that I think they didn't think they could ever really do so it's about uh, an aged hitman who finds himself going up against a younger version of himself who's been cloned and the interesting thing about this is that as far as I can see the younger Will Smith in this movie is entirely CG and looked pretty damn good mm. to my eyes uh, I saw some people knocking the CG online it's like <laughs> what more do you want I thought it was pretty damn good and it's also shot in high frame rate again I think it's shot at 60 frames per second so mm-hmm. Ang Lee's experimenting with that stuff again after Billy Lynn's long halftime walk or yawn <laughs> can you remember the name of that film hey that had you know that had Destiny's Child in it so it of, did have Destiny's kind Child of, in it kind, kind of, of yes and Steve Martin very much so yes yeah but even so I nearly long halftime walked out I mean it wasn't maybe his most enthralling film I think we can probably yeah agree. you think <laughs> But this could be great. Yeah, Will Smith. Woo. Who isn't, who isn't excited about his Will Smith movies in 2019? Just wrapped filming this week on Bad Boys. What's it? Bad, anyway, bad, bad Boys. boys. What's it? Bad Boys. No, it's a, a no, Bad Boys for Life. Bad Boys for Life. Yeah. Bad Boys for Life. That's exciting news, isn't that it? That is actually genuinely. <laughs> it's genuinely exciting news. I'm quite up for that. Um, Genie, not so much, but... It could be good. It could be great. It could be good. Every day is Christmas Eve. I wasn't that excited for the Jungle Book in advance, and it was a really pleasant surprise. And I'm hoping that this does that. I will say, before the press screening of Endgame, Disney showed the Rise of Skywalker trailer, which Mm -hmm. looks incredible on the IMAX screen. But they also showed the Lion King trailer, which seeing that on that big screen, I got very excited. Really? Yeah. I suddenly thought, I really want to see this. That's so and weird. I had hitherto been quite disinterested. Yeah, they didn't show anything like that before the Avengers Endgame oh. World oh Premiere in Los Angeles. Because you two were yakking was, to Larry Fishburne. I was at. I go, Fish! Fish! Mate! Get some popcorn! And he remained unmoved. Mm. But, you know, very cool guy. Yeah. I mean, I walked past him. We didn't even share eye contact, but he knew. Did he offer you a red and a green M&M? <laughs> If you take the green M&M. Let's see just how deep the rabbit hole goes. <laughs> oh, another cracking Matrix Revolutions <laughs> reference there. Um, two more things I want to mention. Yes. One, we have a very real post-Endgame problem here, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
not Did only we? for every other movie in Hollywood, like how the hell do you follow that? But we have, a, you know, like what am I looking forward to now? Yeah. What's making me get out of bed in the morning apart from like having to like pay for stuff? And sure. Roof over my head, all that and sort of John stuff. Wick Parabellum, John Wick Chapter Three Parabellum, and the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that also got me excited. The last trailer, but really, what's getting me out of bed in the morning is a new Adam Sandler film, which is called <laughs> Murder Mystery, and it's going to be hitting Netflix in June. Oh boy! And it reunites him with Jennifer Aniston. Okay. Wow, it's the and it's the comedy pairing we've all been dying to see again. Netflix, I can't even remember the name of the film they were in the first time. I think it's called Just Go With It. And yes, it yes, is. Okay. Just go with it. Just just go with it. And they've released an image, and it looks to me like we're in wacky Sandler mode. And I am a sucker for wacky Adam Sandler stuff. You know how he's wacky? He has a moustache, oh. and so therefore, I think this is going to be. I mean, his Netflix output has been spotty so far. It's been up and down. It's been, it's been quite down at times. Mostly down. Mostly less down. of the up. Mm. But this one is going to put him back where he belongs in the you know the, the, the king middle. of our hearts. <laughs> and it's going to be Wacky Sandler, and it's about a New York cop and his wife, and they go on a vacation, and a murder happens on the <gasps> cruise, and they start investigating it. Now, I also love that because that's the actual plot of a Columbo episode. So oh, well, if it's Columbo it's, meets Adam Sandler, I am there. I mean, I just Columbo would be fine. Uh, what else we got? Uh, so the other thing that got me excited this week is the news that James Wan and Gary Doberman, who uh, have worked together on country movies mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and James Wan, you know, you know who James, James Wan, Wan is. Brilliant. They're going to make a big screen version of Salem's Lot, <gasps> which is one of my favourite Stephen King Novels yes. and one of my favourite Stephen King adaptations, the Toby Hooper one, not the yeah. rubbish one that was made a few years ago. That's fair. I, I I like that adaptation. I would like to see a better one. Do you know what I mean? It's like a bit a, dated. It's a bit seventies. Yeah, it is. But it does have a lot going for it. It has David Soul. It has James Mason being really creepy. It has two incredible all-timer jump scares. Well, actually, one jump scare and one of the creepiest images in horror history, which is the young vampire boy floating outside, outside the window. The window. Yeah. yeah, scratching. Uh, yeah, that's 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 terrifying. It also has a young Bonnie Bedelia. Yeah, well. worth worth checking out for that. And I'm very excited about that. And it's great because also, you know, James Wan, he's made big blockbusters like Aquaman and Fast and Furious 7. But it does seem that like horror is where his heart lies. Mm. So I'm delighted that he hasn't turned his back on, on horror stuff. Absolutely. And I hope that the blockbuster stuff gets him a bit more, you know, money to play with on this one and not just mm. a very tight sort of Bloomhouse budget for that. So, yeah. Cool. This is good. Um, just very quickly to finish up, Clint Eastwood has tried before to make the Ballad of Richard Jewell, which is about a security guard who spotted a suspect package at the Atlanta Olympics and kind of called it in and was a big hero because then, you know, a lot of lives were saved. But then it turned out he fitted the profile of of a bomber and so it all kind of turned back on him and he became this kind of focus of suspicion at the very least. Interesting. Um, and so he went from sort of hero to less than zero overnight. And uh, it sounds like a really interesting kind of meaty story. So Clint Eastwood is apparently back developing that. Uh, and very, very quickly in Dispatches, uh, delighted to see that Guillermo del Toro is lining up uh, his next movie mm. as director. So he has the stop motion animation version of Pinocchio on the go, which I think is a Netflix movie. But his next live action movie is going to see him team up with Leonardo DiCaprio for a remake of, I believe, a 1947 RKO crime flick called Nightmare Alley, uh, which I haven't seen, uh, but I will now be trying to find 
somewhere. These, a lot of these movies are very, very hard to find, mm. but Guillermo clearly has it because he loves it and wants to remake it with Leonardo DiCaprio, who apparently was mulling over scripts from the likes of Paul Thomas Anderson and Alejandro Gonzalez in Rito as well wow. and plumped for, for GDT. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches, it whatever the way you look at riches, it. But, so, yeah, but maybe this is a chance for him to cut loose and have a bit of fun on mm. the big screen, which is something I would say that is lacking from a lot of Leo pictures. That's not entirely unfair, I suppose. Also, uh, Joss Whedon news this week, Laura Donnelly has signed up to star in his new TV show, The Nevers, which is obviously exciting because, you know, anytime Joss Whedon does TV, I will be there. And this is no exception to that, obviously. I'm not stupid. So Laura Donnelly, uh, who's starring, she was in The Ferryman mm-hmm. here in London. Yes. So, yeah. So, yes. Oh, she was great in that. Yeah, really, really mm. good. She got an Olivia Award, I believe, for that. Did she? She did. Fantastic. Well done. Um, so she'll be, this is a sort of Victorian era uh, drama, but with sort of supernatural elements. And she's apparently both a fierce and funny character, someone who would die for the cause and kill for a drink, is the quote here. <laughs> so Interesting description. Yeah. I'm sure I will be discussing this more on the other podcast, but obviously lots of times Joss Whedon. I was never a huge fan of Dollhouse, though. Did you watch Dollhouse? I liked it. Mm, I quite liked... I think it was hitting its stride and then it just went. It did, but then it, it took a slightly odd turn in the mm. second season as well. Whatever yeah. happened to that guy after Dollhouse? He, he just made a couple of movies, but then kind of... I, I heard there were movies. Much yeah. to do about nothing. Great movie. Great yeah. movie. Yeah, really good movie. Original I screenplay, was... I think. <laughs> Something else around the same time, but I just can't quite remember what it was. No. Um, Shall we have an interview? Yes. I think we should. Um, So, brothers Joe and Anthony Russo need no introduction, given that they have brought us many of the best episodes of Community and Arrested Development. And oh, yeah. You, me, and Dupree. Four of the best Marvel films. All right, yeah. I mean, also You, me, and Dupree, which is super great, I guess. Um, But they made The Winter Soldier, they made Civil War, they made Infinity War, and now Endgame. So Chris sent himself along to talk to them recently. I take the hard gigs, Helen, the ones uh-huh. that nobody wants. Entirely sure. spoiler-free, we should point out. This is, I yeah. was literally just about to say that. Sorry, Helen. You jumped in as Sorry usual. for stealing your spoiler thunder. <laughs> this is entirely spoiler-free, and the reason it's spoiler-free is because Chris hadn't seen anything at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, a bit of context here. This They came into London two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, something like that, and they brought six minutes of footage, and it didn't really, there's nothing there to talk about. Really, and also I was very aware that this interview would be out now, yeah. the day after it's released in the UK and the day of release in pretty much the rest of the world. And I had, you know, I didn't want to be going. So tell me about the six minutes of footage when most people listening to this will have already seen the film by that point. So instead, we talk about lots of other stuff. We do talk a little bit generally about Endgame and some of the challenges of making Endgame, but otherwise it's just kind of a bit of a bit of a chat. I should also point out mm-hmm. that I was a fucking idiot uh, not for the first time but no, or the last. I turned up this interview with two guys and I brought only two microphones and I realised this three seconds before they walked into the room and uh, so my questions are recorded on my iPhone which I'm sure looked really professional to those guys so there might be a slight sound disparity between the, between those but uh, producer Jane here is going to sort it out <laughs> no pressure yep. and uh, yeah uh, I can't remember anything else about it but it was I had fun <laughs> awesome so oh! I do remember what we talked about. So we talked about things like uh, whether they got a banana split because what? when I interviewed them for the Endgame feature for for Empire, they said their tradition when they're finishing a movie is that they like to go for banana splits every week, but they've been so busy that they didn't get a chance oh. to have a banana split. So I asked them about that. Uh, I did do a words of handle riff, so that <laughs> might still be in there. Who knows? And there's just various other things about how they kind of dealt with the pressure of delivering this movie and what they're going to do next. Okay. So... Did they get the banana? I, I must know. Well, I'll just listen. Here you go. Enjoy. <laughs> banana splits. 
We are delighted to be joined by the Emperor Podcast by the directors of, oh, what's it called? Avengers, Avengers something, Avengers Endgame. That's right, Joe Russo, <laughs> Anthony Russo. How are you Hello. both? Good, good. How, how are, are you, Chris? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I'm not jet-lagged. I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to start by asking the big question. Joe, are you a Liverpool fan? I am a Liverpool fan. I mean, look, I'm a Premier League fan. I'm a football fan. Listen, I am. Yeah. I, I can show you once I'm done this. My yeah. uh, my screensaver on my phone yeah. is Mohamed Salah. So yeah. you're in good company okay, here. Okay, great. So you, can, you can say I'm a yeah. Liverpool fan. <laughs> Who cares about the rest of the Premier League? Yeah. Uh, you set Twitter ablaze the other day with your Instagram story. Did, you, for, know, you know, what's watching. interesting is my assistant Josh is a massive Liverpool fan. And so, uh, and it was his first time in the, in England. So I said, "Look, we've got to go find some uh, LFC fans and go watch the game with them because that's how you're going to get the real experience." We can't. Precisely. We're not going up to Liverpool. We've got too much going on here. But yeah, uh, you know. I was going to say you could just yeah. you could you can make that happen next time. That's right, Anthony. Are you a, are you a sports fan? Are you a football fan? I, I'm not a, a big sports fan. No. Okay. You know, I will enjoy when I watch. I enjoy it, but I, I don't really follow. Okay. So uh, was that a sort of defined in your family growing up, or where Joe was into sport and you weren't? No, when I was young, I was quite into it. Yeah, okay. I just as I've as I've gotten older, my interest in sports has faded for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. And also, you're pretty damn busy. Yeah, so. <laughs> as well. Although now I have a kid, I have a I have some kids now who are starting to get an interest in it, so I may may become a sports fan again. Okay, excellent, excellent. And uh, when did you finish this film? And did you both have a banana split? Because. <laughs> We, we finished we this movie. It wasn't a bit. We actually finished this movie six days ago. Uh-huh. And we did not have a banana split, but we did both have cupcakes. And we had <laughs> that were decorated Single like cupcakes. Infinity Stones. Yeah, so. I think I ate the Soul Stone yeah. cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> and Anth had the Time Stone cupcake. Now, yeah. you know, this, is, this interview is coming out the day after the movie is out. And, but we can't go into spoilers because I haven't seen the whole film yet. That's right. But is there any significance to the cupcakes that you chose? Did you specifically <laughs> no. choose the Soul Stone? Other than that, uh, yeah. the Soul Stone Cupcake looked appetizing. Yeah, was that like, was the sole defining characteristic. I think my face just fell down yeah. into the plate, and that's what I hit. Yeah. <laughs> and why didn't you have a banana split? You told me when I interviewed you for the magazine. <laughs> this is what I'm holding you to. This is you know. We actually they, they had actually a banana surpri- split this, the, the week that we locked an editorial. Uh-huh. Uh, what what Kevin's favorite thing to do is get a, is get a banana split. And wash it down with the chocolate malt. Uh, so that was the. Uh, you can imagine how stressed out we are by good, that point. Good where, times. Yeah. Good where, times. Where it actually I mean, sounds like a good idea to order a banana split and a chocolate malt. It's not terribly rock and yeah. roll, is it? Really? Uh, no. But you know, no, maybe no. Steve Rogers would approve. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, how did it feel? Because you you guys are now at the end of this long journey that began for you obviously with winter soldier mm-hmm. and it's been what now seven years now you've been working on the on these movies seven years yes. yeah. Yeah. yeah seven exactly. years of what we call presidential aging has, uh, <laughs> has occurred to our uh, our minds and our don't, bodies don't pull out the photos from seven years ago <laughs> the uh, tenure the tenure challenge yeah, wouldn't, right, wouldn't yeah. reflect yeah. well on you uh, yeah. okay yeah. Uh, but how did you how did it feel when you when you finally i presume i don't know because i haven't really been there when a movie's finished but i presume when you finish something like this you just press say and then it uploads to the cloud and it's a massive file and then when that, once that's done you're sorted yeah I mean look making these movies has been one of the great joys of our lives for sure but they they, they are hard to make they're really difficult to make mm. they, and they demand a lot you know especially these last two shooting uh, Infinity War and Endgame back to back was extremely difficult and it takes a big toll on you it takes a toll on us physically it takes a toll on our personal lives it's, it's a complicated endeavor uh, so finishing it is is incredibly cathartic. Yeah, we for did us. four of 
these movies in six and a half years. And two of the four were the two of the most expensive movies ever made. Yeah. So it was no, a yeah. it was a crazy run. I think you'd call it a suicide run. But I, I think I figured it out. Like I've spent two and a half of the past four years living away from home. Wow. You know, that's that's yeah. a lot. So you have to balance it out. That's a decision yeah. you 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 clearly make that decision. You think, okay, yeah. I've got to I've got to do this. Yeah. 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 We figured out that we've spent six hours of the last four years in conversations with you talking about <laughs> these movies. We need more of that. Absolutely. Well, we yeah. do need more of it, absolutely. You know, once I've seen this film, I'm going to be hunting you down. Not in a bad way, but, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a good no, way. Look, we're, we're so excited to finally talk about the movie. You know, it's been yeah. a... It is like working for the CIA where you've got, you know, three years of uh, keeping secrets. And, uh, frankly, we're the most aggressive of everyone involved you know um that they're running uh, every piece of marketing by us and uh you know we're you know we're arguing with them about what can be seen and what shouldn't be seen and Mm. uh as you can imagine it's a very delicate dance because you're trying to promote a movie where literally every frame of the movie is a spoiler yeah uh and so it's just well how how little can we spoil and still get people to go see the movie and we discussed this when we we spoke for the magazine as well but I think if it had been up to you, if you'd had your druthers, you would have. This could have been the, a real test case. This could have been the first huge movie like this to have no marketing at all, no poster, no trailers. Just Without here question, we are. and we we considered it. Uh, did you for, did for you a brief moment? I think focus group it though. Did you did you have a chat about we it? Did and, focus group it. It was really it just becomes a conversation between us and Kevin and Assad, who runs a, a Disney marketing, and um, mm. you know it's just really all right. Well, you know. How do you promote a movie like this? And uh, is there a version of not promoting a movie like this? And to some extent, I think that all the secrecy around it is uh, is, is the best promotion for the film. And that uh, you know that the more you withhold, the more um, the more the excitement builds, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the more interest builds. Um, the trick is, as Disney would tell us, is that you, you know you have to make sure that you're also reaching. The moviegoer who only who is not a rabid, uh, you know, Marvel fan, yeah. and, and you know, goes to see one or two movies a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are they being uh, compelled to go see the movie? Well, that's the thing. That I think the important thing to remember part part of the fun of these movies is that the audiences keep growing and growing, seemingly. And you know, when you when you look at just it indicated by solely by box office, you know, if you look at um, the box office of Infinity War. Like the natural conclusion is, well, there are people going to see Infinity War who have never seen a Marvel movie before. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you keep bringing people into the fold, so to speak? Mm. And when Infinity War came out, you were already deep into this movie. And I think you said, Anthony, in the past that you might have appreciated actually in hindsight, maybe an extra year or so to work in this film. But yeah. you're, you're very much in the reads on Endgame already. Did Infinity War have any effect at all on what you were doing? It's too, it's too big a juggernaut, isn't it, to, I think, to kind well, of just, change? You know, we had, it, on a subtle level, yeah. We yeah, had committed did, yeah. to the ending of End, Endgame two years ago, and we that script was written, uh, for the most part, the bulk of that script was written before Infinity War was. It was an yeah. easier script to write than Infinity War. Yeah. It took us a while to understand how to tell Infinity War through Thanos' POV, and to, you know, that smash and grab structure came to us late in the process of, mm. you know, Thanos is ahead of everyone, everyone's chasing him. It's sort of a relentless plot movie and, uh, uh, you know, it's driving and propulsive. So it was hard for that film to affect this film mm. that much. 
Okay, so it was, it was already in motion. It was already yeah, in but, motion. But, yeah, and but certainly in subtle ways it did. You know, certainly in just an, uh, like our sensitivity to character, just thinking about the, the, the subtleties of the movie, the subtleties of the storytelling, it definitely, you know, it, you're always learning and, and growing on that level. Obviously, we can't talk about it in depth at the moment, but what were the first conversations you had about this movie? Because initially this was presented as a two-parter. When Kevin first announced it way back on stage at that event a few years ago, it was Infinity War Part 1 and 2. Yeah. But it's so clearly mutated into two very different films, tonally and structurally as well, I guess. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I think the intention always was, you know, we always had the intention to make them two distinct films. I think the reason why it was called Part 1 and Part 2 early on is we knew that it would take two films. If we were going to finally bring to a close this journey that we've all been on since that initial Iron Man movie 11 years ago, we knew it would require more than one movie to do that. So I think at, at first it was Infinity War Part 1 and 2 just because we knew, oh, there's going to be two movies. Um, but as we started to think about the films, we knew right away that we didn't want to make them tied to each other as a part one and part two. We wanted to have two distinct yeah. experiences. I mean, that's the one thing that Joe and I have always been looking for is like how, how on each of our outings at, in the MCU, like how do we bring something to the table that audiences weren't expecting, that we weren't expecting, going a dire- pushing into a direction with a tone and a style and a narrative that we couldn't have guessed at. Mm. And that's sort of what we keep trying to do and, and what we try and to do. titles are part of the thematics of a movie and sometimes the thematics of the movie aren't readily apparent until, you know, you're really getting your head into it and uh, and executing on a production level and, um, you know, so we just didn't, frankly, didn't have the titles yet. Hmm. Okay. And uh, Endgame came along at that, what, about a year or two years ago for you guys? The, uh, the, the, the I mean, it was, it was something we were toying around with very late in the process on shooting Infinity War. I think we came up with yeah. that line... As an ad, I think Benedict was one of the last. Benedict was probably the last three or four days of shooting on Infinity War. We brought him back mm-hmm. to do some work in that. We reshot some of that scene on Titan, and we added that line. Uh, and uh, specifically and for for the for with the, the intention of potentially okay. using it as a title. I think that you know it's still a year away. You know, there's, there's no, you can't commit to anything. You have no idea. We hadn't even released the movie yet, so. <laughs> You know, you're not sure how people are going to respond, and so you try to keep things as iterative as possible. And I think feel like we never commit to a title until it's literally on the trailer, and we're watching it a week before it's getting released. And he and I look at each other in, in, in you know in a dark room and go, "Okay, this is it. This is the title we're going with on this one, and that's when you go with the title." I think Joe, what Joe's describing too is like that's really our creative process with everything. I mean, when you're making a movie, you want to always give yourself maximum flexibility to change your mind, to redo something, to rethink something as you as you go through the process, the discovery of process of figuring out what that movie is. Mm. And um, there's lots of chain reaction effects, you know, when you're sort of playing with the story. And so, yeah, while we may have an understanding of what, like, we may in our brains, we were like, oh, yeah, the movie's going to be, we're gonna, I think this is the best idea. Let's call it an endgame. We're never going to commit to that until, until we have to, like we would any mm. other creative choice. At one point, you teased the idea that the the title for this movie was referenced or even said at one point in Infinity War. So did you consider at any point having to call Avengers, where's the handle? 
because that is that's big for me, guys. But did he say? I can't huge. remember. In one version, he said, "Where's the handle? Where's the damn handle?" Does he yeah. still say, "Where's the damn handle?" <laughs> no, no, believe me, no, believe me. He just says, "Where's the handle?" Where's right. the, we, we cut. Where's the damn handle? Tree. Yeah. <laughs> where's the handle? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that could have worked. That could have worked. Could have worked. There's, there's been, still time to know, change it. Yeah. Yes. But what it meant as well, once you went for Endgame. And you did that uh, that teaser photograph, Joe, where yeah. you were sitting on set with. Yes, that's right. <laughs> How long did it take to set that stuff up? Where this uh, is sort of teaser photograph where hours, you're surrounded hours. by was, there's uh, a ladder and all sorts of stuff. Uh, very complicated. Spelling the, out the word endgame. The photo shoot, you know, it sort of uh, took the art department <laughs> the, like a month to concept that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is the endgame. And we will hopefully talk about it in, in depth uh, yeah. down the line. But it is the end game. And how much of this movie did you discuss with the actors? And how much input did they have into it? Uh, you know, obviously, Robert seems to be a huge part of this, this franchise creatively. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're very performer-orientated. We love actors. So, yeah, we – and we, we, you know, again, signified by the fact that Joe and I work as a team, we love the process of collaboration. So, yeah, we, we like to talk extensively with actors about their arcs, about their where we're taking their characters – and we like them to participate in the process, you know, especially actors who have played these roles now multiple times. They have a huge mm. level of ownership over these characters, yeah. obviously. And so we need them as our partners in terms of figuring out who these characters are because they know them in many ways better than anybody. So, yeah, the process of, of, of partnering with actors in terms of, uh, you know, we'll definitely conceive a story and conceive their arcs and, and all that. But getting them involved in that and taking ownership of that is is really important. What about new actors to the, to this to this movie? Obviously, you know, Paul Rudd is in this movie. He wasn't in Infinity War. Same with Jeremy Renner. But Brie Larson's new to this. Yeah, uh, and absolutely. What was that like for you and for her? In fact, well, it was interesting because you know we would when we introduced Spider Man and Black Panther in um, Civil War. Civil War. It was uh, it was uh, they were in a vacuum, right? Because mm. it, there was no sort of you know next movie no one had been hired yet to uh well actually actually watts had been hired on spider-man but just uh, after but it was like it was a, yeah, after yeah. we had already crafted after the, we uh, after we had cast tom holland he was yeah. not hired until after we cast tom so holland. you know okay. we the script yeah. was written we we had our approach to the character uh the voices were being launched in those movies without sort of any consideration of what was coming next uh what was unique with uh brie and captain marvel is is that Fleck and Bowden had been hired, but they were working on the script at the time. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, we had to shoot her before that script was finished. So she didn't have the proper context for uh, um, the character yet. Okay. And I think it was a bit of an exploratory mission. I mean, of of course, I think that it's the same character uh, because, you know, lots of conversations were had between us and Fleck and Bowden about what they were attempting. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting when you're when you have to show up on your first day and you know you have a handful of lines to sort of define who you are against you know uh, an entire film or entire film of discovery. Yeah, it's exceedingly difficult, and I think she did a tremendous job. And you know the character is like I said, it's the same character. It was just a it was a, a trickier process for her yeah. because not only is she trying to find her character, but she's doing it with every movie star on the planet in the room with her, who, you know, all have like a decade-long history with their character. Yeah. And I think um, uh, it was uh, it was a unique uh, situation for her. And you say it's the same character, but also Captain Marvel takes place 
23, 24 years before this movie. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, time jumps not, notwithstanding. Yeah. So it's kind of not the same character as well. She has to sketch that out for it's Carol True, also. yes. I mean, she's yeah. evolved, of course, and that's something else that we talked about is who, who are you two decades later, mm. uh, you know, uh, and what has happened to you in between. And, um, in between now and a story that's unwritten. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how did you get this movie made? Guys? <laughs> it's it's oh, crazy. It's know. crazy. Yeah, a lot of banana splits. A lot of banana splits. But now, now you are are finished with the film, and you're looking to the future, and you've you know you've set up Agbo films, and recently you've been poaching people from the MCU to star in these films. <laughs> I don't know. Poaching is correct. <laughs> You know, it's like you've got to talk about something during your downtime on set. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Stealing them away in the middle of the night. Yes. So you've got uh, Chadwick Boseman on Seventeen Bridges. You've got Chris Hemsworth on on DACA, and Tom yeah. Holland. It's going to start in the next movie. I believe you're going to direct. That's right. Yeah, we're going to direct a movie called Cherry. Yeah, yeah. loosely yeah. based on a true story uh, set in Cleveland, Ohio, about an army medic mm-hmm. during the Iraq War. A U.S. Uh, soldier comes home, PTSD. Uh, starts taking OxyContin to uh, to help with the PTSD and winds up becoming a heroin addict, and then a bank robber to support his heroin addiction. Mm. And uh, it's a it's an indictment on the uh, opioid epidemic and the structures that uh, help create it. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a obviously much much different in tone than uh, than what we've been doing with Marvel. But that's the 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 incredible opportunity that you gain when you work on movies of the scale and with this notoriety, Soderbergh and Clooney used to tell us um, uh, when, you know, they uh, mentored us at our early part of our mm, career, yes. uh, one for you, one for them. I think we've done, you know, a big chunk. Yeah, four uh, for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now we get uh, the one for us. And what they meant by that was, you know, you have, you have your commercial successes and allow those to then support the riskier choices that you make and then have some more commercial successes and then make some more riskier choices. But how, how tricky has that been, juggling, laying your plans for the future and having those little furtive chats with, with you know, Chris yeah. and Tom and Chadwick on set going, yeah. have you seen this script, guys? Yeah. You should maybe do this script. Uh, while at the same time directing one of the biggest movies of all time. I mean, you have to be yeah. high-functioning ADD, I think, and, uh, <laughs> you know... Uh, and uh, and embrace your presidential aging. You know, it's. Uh... <laughs> I mean, look, we, we Joe and I started as indie filmmakers, so you know, we, we you know, our film school was you know making a very very low budget, almost no budget movie over the course of three years, almost by ourselves. You know, sort of learning how you how you do everything, every element of filmmaking uh, on your own, and that is kind of our attitude that's always been our attitude toward filmmaking like we like a very do-it-yourself approach to everything so the success that we've realized from these marvel movies like this has been a dream like making these movies is 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 was has been the greatest gift to us on every level creatively and and otherwise and um but yeah we we're we're very much thinking about how do we take our success how do we take all this energy from these marvel movies and turn it into an engine that allows us to move forward from here as filmmakers with even more autonomy and how do we position ourselves as in a place where we can help things movies get made that may not get made otherwise because that's how we feel like we were brought into this industry i think we've you know we've talked to you about this in the past probably with the the story of like 
we got brought into the business by Steven Soderbergh, who happened to see our movie at a slam dance film festival. The only reason we're sitting here. Yeah, and it's like nobody responded to that movie. That was not, it was a weird festival movie, a very bizarre film. And there wasn't a lot of people that would ever respond to that thing. But, but Soderbergh saw it and did. He said, oh, there's something here, you know. Yeah. He wanted to get together with us. He offered to produce something. But I'm just citing that as an example. Like, if it weren't for Steven Soderbergh looking at our movie going, hey, there's something uh, special here that I want to see more of, we would have never found a road into the film business. Yeah, yeah. So it's like we feel like we are now positioned to do that same thing. For us now, with a well-capitalized company called Agbo, we can enable other films, other stories, other filmmakers that may not get through the system otherwise. And so we owe a karmic debt to the universe that, you know, yeah. that, that really that, that what this company represents. And then, you know, the other thing, too, is you talked about how can we handle all of it. Well, you know, when you do television for a decade, it's, you know, TV is high volume. You're constantly in prep, uh, production and post all the time mm -hmm. because you're prepping the next episode you're shooting the current episode <laughs> you're posting the uh the prior episode so at one point we had three shows going on the paramount lot you know you just you know see us to drive by in a golf cart uh waving all day long <laughs> as we went from soundstage to soundstage overseeing every show and you know it just turns you into a volume monster and you're able to like create an infrastructure and uh rely on personnel delegate yep. to people that you trust uh, and, uh, you know, Marvel, you know, we did f four of these films with the exact same crew, uh, you know, cr critical, critical collaborators like our VFX supervisor, Dan DeLue, who twice nominated for an Oscar, and Jeff Ford, our editor, and Trent Oplock, our DP, and uh, Trin Tran was our uh, EP on both films. And mm. so you have a group of people in place that, that are helping you achieve uh, success on these films. Uh, and then on the other side, we had a whole uh, a whole unit of, of of people that we'd you know built up with relationships through the years, the creative relationships that we're now managing Agbo, and so that that's how I think it it, it worked ultimately. Fantastic. Well, guys, I got to let you go, but I can't let you go without asking the big question. Joe, are Liverpool going to win the league? I think they have a hell of a shot. They seem to be playing with the right uh, energy at the moment. I mean, they're they're hella fun to watch right now. <laughs> not from my heart or not oh yeah <laughs> I tell you that uh, Anthony I'm, uh, even yeah. though you don't follow football I'm going to ask you I'm going to put yeah. you on the spot are Liverpool going to win the Champions League yes thank you sir that's all I wanted to hear <laughs> yeah. Joe Anthony it's, it's been a, fun it's a double whammy yeah. <laughs> there you go that is okay. legally binding yeah. and you can take that to the bank yeah. thanks guys it's been a pleasure as thank always you. thank you Chris always a pleasure <laughs> All right, and let's uh, let's start the review section then with uh, I think one of the biggest and most anticipated films in a long time. Um, that begins with E. Yeah, it does begin with E. You're correct, and it is it is a film that has been almost universally acclaimed. I think, and I am of course talking about Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade, which is a fantastic look at basically the life of a 13-year-old girl. So um, she's played by Elsie Fisher, who is extraordinary in this film. She's absolutely amazing. She plays a character called Kayla. She's in her last week of middle school, so she's about to graduate and go to high school in the US. Obviously a very big leap in her life, a big change. She's very kind of quiet in school. She's literally voted most, most quiet. But she's kind of got this whole inner life that she's trying to let people know about, but is completely crippled by her own insecurities, her shyness, her anxiety in social situations. And it is almost unbearable in that depiction of anxiety and nervousness mm. and just mm. lack of confidence. You know, it's it shows the sort of the, the importance of social media in her life and how she's trying to portray herself online and make these kind of motivational videos that 
basically or for herself and kind of nobody else really yeah, yeah. and try and portray herself one way in the hopes of just making herself into that person um really really incredible incredible performance from her but also just such kind of insight and um and such depth of kind of portrayal from from Bo Burnham as well mm. it's a really immediate film and it is really tough at times but it's just wonderful That's absolutely wonderful film. given i think probably all three of us around here suffer from some level of social anxiety <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a party animal. <laughs> I'm famous for which, my... Which party is that? Yes. It's a, it's a party of one. It happens in my house in front of the TV. The me the party. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. everyone who goes really enjoys it and says it's great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like eighth grade, in fact. Um, yes. Cause, okay, I haven't seen this film. Um, I wanted to go see it and also Fast Colour when I was in LA, mm. which apparently is phenomenal. But uh, I was ridiculously busy so I didn't get a chance to see them and then this was on my flight on the way home overnight but I was knackered no. and I slept pretty much the entire way I mean to be honest at least you now have the chance to see it on the big screen true so instead of like a tiny little you know yeah with airplane. announcements every five seconds yeah exactly because actually the, the films you want to watch on airplanes are the not as good as this films. I see. I don't know about that. I saw Hard mm. to Be Loud on a plane, for example. And oh, I saw that's a great Michael movie. Clayton for the first time in a plane, really? which is one of my favourite films. Mm, okay. And really, you know, yeah, I love Michael Clayton. Michael Clayton's an incredible film. It's good. It's very good. Amazing film. I'm not saying like you can't. I mean, you can still watch a good film and you know love it on a plane. I'm just mm. saying it's not the ideal. Experience no, it's not for the ideal. No, film. you're absolutely right. Do you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, of course. And so uh, I will go and, and check it out. Hopefully this weekend in between. <laughs> Uh, trying to avoid football scores and whatnot. But yeah, this this sounds amazing. Bo Burnham, yeah. in case you don't know him, because I don't think he's that well known over no, here. No, he isn't. Uh, he's a huge noise in the States, big, big stand-up, and uh, you can see him in The Big Sick. He's one of the, the stand-ups who, you know, in Camille Nanjiani's stand-up circle. He's the one who's really successful. So he's basically playing himself at, at that point. So yeah, uh, So yeah, so, so we give that four stars, but it is a very, I think, high four stars, I feel yes. like I'm, I'm right in saying. So Can't that wait. is a pretty great film. And I guess that's it for the reviews, unless there was another film beginning with E. That... Oh, wait! Avengers Endgame came out! It did, you know. It did! It did. Yeah. <sighs> what to say about this film, guys? What In a non-spoiler review, what a, to say well, about I, this? This is the thing. I think we need to keep our powder dry to an extent and save most of our, if not all of our Avengers thoughts for the Spoiler Special podcast. However, I think it's safe to say that it's a crushing disappointment and really just ruins <laughs> all the Marvel films. You know, I've watched 21 great films and then this came along and it was absolute shit. No, it's not at all. It's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. I mean, we talked about this a lot. Infinity War was a staggering cinematic achievement. And there was a sense, like going into this, I thought, I don't know what they can do that could possibly top that. You know, I really don't. Short of having Darth Vader turn up at one point, I really... Which does happen. Uh, which actually, is, oh, surprisingly, oh, you said that for the spoiler special. Um... I didn't. I didn't know what they could do to do it, and it, astonishingly, everyone involved completely and utterly knocked this out of the park. Mm. And it works on every level. It is, I think, a perfect companion to Infinity War, like tonally. Like I love that it isn't trying to do the same thing. It sits perfectly alongside it, next to it, after it, and uh-huh. it gave me everything I could possibly want, except cake. And really, I was fine without the cake. <laughs> cake is a made-up drug. Yeah. Don't bring don't your take own it. cake. No, not the drug. But the just cake like is the, a lie. The, yeah. The cake, is, the cake is not a lie because nobody promised you cake. 
so nobody has lied to you. you <laughs> is know? Erica Eleniak inside this cake, or is this? <laughs> oh, is this so we've gone like a... from we've gone from portal to under siege. All the references here. <laughs> wow, we're, we're still so highbrow. Up, we really are. <laughs> we're so up to the minute as well. My God. Yeah, I. I mean, as anybody who read my five star review will know, I liked this quite a How bit. How did you pack that cake? <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think I was the only one who could write fast enough to meet In the In fairness, uh, after deadline. the screening, we all retreated to a nearby cafe to have a debrief, and Helen's review came in before we'd finished the coffee, which yeah. means that you're some kind of weird freak, but that's fine. Thanks. Uh, that was a great you. review, and I think yeah, I think given that you managed to write for 800 words without spoiling anything, which is hard to do when you're talking about a film like this, I thought it was a great, I will, great review. I will say there is, one, there is one character detail for Hawkeye that wasn't in the trailer, so some people have called that a spoiler. I just I think it's a character detail, that isn't in the trailer. I don't. I don't think it's a spoiler. It's just but terrible fucking haircut. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> even. I didn't even characterize it as a terrible fucking haircut. I just like okay. that. That be. It's a terrible, terrible yeah. haircut. It's not great. And speaking as a man with no hair, you know, I feel <laughs> yeah. like I can say this. We, we could probably talk about that. We, instead of talking about the film, should we just talk Review about Hawkeye's hair for haircut. Like five hair. minutes? Everyone's haircut. You get to see Black Widow's roots. You That's get. I mean, you get euphemism. to. You get to see. You get to see Steve shaving. Is mm. it like watching the scene of a crime? Well, that is a spoiler. No, that's in the trailer. It is in the trailer. Oh, we know he's beardless. We know he's We know he's beardless. So yeah, so um, we we were very enthusiastic. I would say it's a it's a different film from Infinity War, obviously, um, but it is it's different in the sense that Infinity War felt very finely calibrated and very almost clockwork looking back at it like just they had so many moving parts and they fitted together so beautifully and I think this one gets more into kind of the the messy emotional fallout of that film and so it's not quite as TikTok you know here are all the pieces and here are how they move together mm-hmm. you don't know for a lot of this film how those pieces are going to fit together and if they even will fit together mm-hmm. which I enjoyed very much I think it's uh, fair to say without spoiling things too much that um, the bit where Ant-Man does explode inside Thanos' butt really to me by surprise <laughs> No, it, it's it's a film of three halves. So there are three different tones going on here. And the mm-hmm. first the first hour of the film, because that's not that's not being around the bush. This film is three hours and yeah. one minute long, and did not feel it. It no, did not, not feel all. it at all. Like, Though, do not hydrate excessively before you watch it. Yeah, that's, that's just that's a fair. PSA. Yeah. But, but seriously, I have been to ninety minute films that felt longer than this. Yeah, it flew by. It I checked my watch periodically just when things happened to just kind of go, okay, well we're roughly are we in this um, but otherwise it just didn't feel it at all uh, despite the fact that I was sitting in temporary stadium style seating uh, did I mention I was at the world premiere anyway it's, it's irrelevant <laughs> but the first hour is quite somber and quite slow um, but it really is it's such a cliche to say about films that they're like roller coaster rides but this one really genuinely is um, when I say roller coaster I mean the, the big one mm. at uh, Blackpool Pleasure Beach um, which <laughs> that's is that's the big one that's the one I'm thinking of specifically because have you ever been on that roller coaster it's massive I think, I'm not sure if it's still the biggest in the world but at one point it was uh, or certainly the highest and you get on it and it goes up you know the, the, it just notches yeah, yeah. up ratchets up the tension ratchets up the tension that's the first hour of the movie and then once it goes downhill that's when all hell breaks loose and and that's what happens in this movie. And the last two hours, in fact, the whole thing had moments that just made me gasp yeah. out loud. Yeah. Um, I was in a very gasp-friendly crowd, which was great. Mm. I'm not sure how Fish reacted, whether he was up with people, <laughs> you know, shouting and yelling at the screen and whatnot. But I'm sure he was. He's a cool guy. He's the star of Matrix Revolutions. And it's got bits that made me laugh and cheer and the other stuff as well. Mm. Not sexual, but, you know, the other stuff. And I... I loved it. I'm still processing a lot of it. I've only seen it once. And it was, it's kind of, there's a lot to take There's in, a lot. In this I movie. Mean, there's yeah. a lot. It's not a perfect it. film. 
No. There are some. Well, I mean, we discussed the gonna, lack of cake. Yeah. Most yeah. most swings most swings <laughs> are hits, but some swings are misses. Yeah, we're gonna. I think there's gonna be a lot to yeah. quibble with and discuss. Yeah. Mm. Um, but none of that takes away from the, the overall pleasure of watching it. Yeah. yeah incredible. Um, and also, I kind of had the same feeling about Infinity War when I first saw it. You did. And yeah. Ragnarok when I first saw it, and it takes me a little while, actually, with stuff like this, to really click. And once the, you know the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Seventh viewings, they'll be the ones where I really decide whether I like this film or not. Is it the sensory overload? Do you think that's what it is? There's a lot, so much. There's a lot happening, and again, as I discussed in the on the podcast, you know, when I know I'm doing a spoiler special, you're you're trying to you're trying to look at the corners of the screen and the things written on pieces of paper. Yeah, the word forms used. You're trying to think. Wait, was that a callback to that other film? Mm -hmm. Not even necessarily an MCU film, Mm -hmm. but like, ooh, that felt reminiscent of the Princess Bride or something. And you're like, oh, why? Yeah, Um, so much. There's so much to take. So much. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was absolutely bloody terrific. Hmm. And uh, well worthy of the three-star review that Helen gave it. Five, five stars. Five, 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 five stars. Oh, the check cleared. Good. Okay, that five is, stars. Oh, then. my God. Five stars. Oh, you're hosting. Helen, oh please, please. I still think you missed a trick by not giving it six stars and making one each colour of the stones. Anyway, so, yes, five stars for Avengers Endgame, which is... A recommendation. <laughs> I mean, if you've got nothing better to do, obviously, if yeah. there are other options that do include cake, for example, then then you know maybe maybe. <laughs> I take mean, you're upset. I just feel like those. you could bring cake with you, James. Like I feel like you could furnish your own cake. That does sound like a plan. Yeah, I'm actually leaving this podcast now to go and see Endgame again. So perhaps I will so pick up some cake pick up on the some way. Cake on the way. Cafe Letto on Wardour Street. Really good cakes. <laughs> Get the honey cake. Other cake super, shops super are good. available. <laughs> sure. But if Cafe Letto wants to give me a free honey cake in return for this, I am open to bribery. Okay, that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Join us next week for more film-related fun when we'll be joined by Nicholas Holt to talk about Tolkien. That's the plan. Um, <laughs> we hope. We hope we will. He's not just like a general fan of J.R.R. Tolkien. He is actually starring in a film called Tolkien. Yes. So he will be. He'll be talking Tolkien. He will be. Mm. Uh, until that auspicious occasion, it's goodbye from James. Goodbye. Goodbye from Chris. Hello, everybody. Uh, upside Jet lag's kicking Jet in. Jet lag, yeah. And it's goodbye from me. I am off to, I mean, let's be honest, I'm off to see Endgame again. Like, that's just what I'm going to be doing for the next foreseeable. What's your estimate? How many times in the cinema? I mean, uh, certainly five, I would imagine. Five. It's a, it's a three-hour movie. You know, six is a big time commitment. Mm, yeah. 18 hours as opposed to 15. Yeah. 15 is to- totally reasonable. Yeah. Ultimately, okay. we're all off to gaze out over a grateful universe. <laughs> and do please come and see us next week live at King's Place talking about Avengers Endgame and we'll be able to talk spoilers spoilers and do rude jokes as well so it'll be a lot of fun do come bye bye